When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Random Movie Generator with myself, David, uh, Jeffrey Earl, and David Nicholas the Third Edwards. Part of a lineage, part of a dynasty. It's not just me; there are ancestors before me. I'm standing on the shoulders of a DNA helix of other great Edwards scissors. Edward scissors. Edward scissors. Edward scissors. Absolutely. How are you? Um. Not bad, raring to go. Caffeine is just bringing me alive. Absolutely yeah. the sweet drug kiss of a Nescafe. Well, if if caffeine was a lady, what would she look like if she walked through your door? Oh, she'd be like um, uh, Jessica Rabbit and Roger Rabbit. Do you know what I mean? She'd just be this, um, you know, a sort of Catherine Hepburn, femme fatale, that just sort of... Um, uh, Hepburn. Hepburn. Get it right. Hepburn. Uh, that just kind of floats through a nightclub and men start uh, playing trumpets in the background but go off tune. And it basically... Um, Is she curvy? Oh, curvy like a um, a roller coaster, a Marwell Zoo type of thing. That's what we're talking about. Curvy like a Rana's behind. Absolutely treble. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Without Manswell... Been, where would any of us be? We'd still be in our, in our coffins like Dracula. Yeah. How's your movie week been, David? We're going to dive straight into movies. Straight into movie week. Um, How's it been? Thursday night, not bad at all. Thursday night, I saw the new Alexander Payne film, Holdovers. Okay. Okay. How many weeks? There's 52 weeks in the year, more or less. Yeah. How many of those 52 weeks are would you say special movie weeks? How many are run of the mill and how many are trash? I'd say you've got about, um, I'm not saying that, that those special movie weeks are going to fulfill your expectations, but you've probably got about maybe, um, seven to 10, uh, special. Okay. Ones. Yeah. Um, and then the middle of the road, probably got about, um, I'm trying to do my maths now, about 20, and then 30-something, which, you know, when you go along thinking they're going to be trash, you can sometimes be pleasantly surprised. But I'd say it's like that, really, being truly. Half, don't expect it, and then uh, one quarter, perhaps a bit more than a quarter, 
kind of middle of the road, and then you've got that sweet, sweet cherry pie. Well, I, I think you hardly ever eat from the cherry pie, do you? I think, though, a, a lot of that is kind of um, nostalgia muddled in my mind, playing around with expectations. Mm. Well, whatever thing- it is, David, you're not eating from the pie. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Jez, Martin, Darren Hill, Rhiannon, welcome, DDDPPP, John Bone, Dr. Gregor, Christian, Andy Drew, Lisa, Amanda, welcome, uh, KB, um, there's loads of Danscape. Right. So you watch the holdovers with Ryan. Yeah. And, um, you went to your usual... Did you go to the same cinema, more or less, each Thursday or Friday? Majority of the time, majority. Not always. Majority. So I imagine you've been in every room of that cinema to watch a film. Am I right? In they're exactly the same. I always try to look around and see if they're different. It's sort of vastly factory conveyor belt vibe. That, uh, they're exactly... Unless it's the IMAX, for crying out loud, um, the mothership. They're all um, exactly the same. Oh, except the blue dot that bloody appears on screen one in the middle of Indiana Jones 5 that you've been waiting oh, for. Oh, so do you try and stay away from screen one? Um, I do if I can, but it hasn't turned up again. It turned up for the creator at Indiana Jones 5. Did we explain what the blue dot was to any listeners? What? Um, yeah, I can't. Oh, yes, basically it's a blue dot that um, I've been waiting for Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny for a good five to six years. Uh, Harrison Ford's final, um, you know, swing of the whip. I sat there and this massive blue dot just appeared on, on real one. As soon as what about the size of what? Like, a? Uh, I would say, um, the size of, uh, an Oreo, a very large Oreo biscuit type of thing. So it didn't take over the entire screen. It wasn't like a bowl. If you, if you glued an Oreo biscuit to a cinema screen, that yeah. would be and distracting. Even worse, it's moving around. So it's an Oreo biscuit that's floating around, I believe. So is, does this dot, this dot doesn't exist outside of screen one? You Like you won't see it floating around the tills or? No, thank God, no, no. Because that would mean my medication's been balanced or whatever. But um, <laughs> I'm in some simulated reality and it's a buffering wheel. Imagine but, if uh, the blue dot is a knock on your door. Oh, and you went Lord. to the front door and it's just there, just... Just hovering around. And I'm arguing and saying, you know, why did you ruin my Indiana Jones experience? I'm allowed. Yeah. Hovering blue dot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's basically... It just suddenly appeared. And it depends on the lighting of the cinematography. It's just very dark. At the beginning mm. of Indiana Jones, where it's in this dark kind of uh, castle being taken over by Germans. And also, you know, it doesn't suit the colour palette to have a big white. It's like a smurf blue you know proper sort of slushy blue kind of um a dot and it was right on his forehead and it was very distracting yeah yeah well i think someone sent in some pictures or we found some photos online of the blue the dreaded blue dot so if you're listening now and you go oh i wouldn't mind seeing that please google blue dot cinema <laughs> i just feel the listeners are just like dropping away right now it's no just like, not at all not so that, at all. So I'm like a man who's, who's trying to keep water in a desert and it's just all going through my fingers. Would anyone know why my local movie theatre has a random blue light always emitting on the screen? There you go, David. And that was from Germany. 
Oh my god, is that in the Patreon uh, chat? No, 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 I googled that. Oh god, that's interesting. Well, you know, but then the usher turns up and it's Mm. gone, it vanishes. The Twilight Zone episode. So, David, you went to the you went to watch the holdovers with Ryan on Thursday night. Why Thursday, not Friday? Uh, because um, of work commitments. Sure. Okay. Simple as that. Um, how does it feel going to watch cinema on a Thursday when you know you got work on Friday? Not as Different. good. I try and avoid it. I try and push it out the side of my head, out of my left ear. And just... so, sorry, did you go last night as well to get that? same feeling and watch another film or no i didn't know so it's thursday night and um uh, what can you do that that's that's what's handed to you not the same is it it's not not the end of school not quite the same it's not quite the end of school you know you've got um uh, the old dinner bell ringing next day does that affect how you eat on a thursday night perhaps i won't go completely crazy because i want to get a decent night's sleep but um I still had, I actually went uh, the Pick-A-Mix route this, this week. I, I looked at the old Pick-A-Mix for a while. And I thought, what the hell? I'm going to go for a load of UFOs, sugar, um, cocoa. So then again, I don't think it did. A giant snake, which I think is as long as my own intestines. It was, uh, it was pretty intense. It's like a sort of candy python that I was kind of um, eating. <laughs> Wasn't but, she a singer from the 80s? Uh, candy python. She should be. I'd sign her up. It sounds great. If you'd looked at me in the dark, I'd look like, um, I don't know, something like Blue Planet, David Attenborough, just these snakes hanging outside of my mouth. Oh, you bought loads of candy pythons? Oh, yeah, loads. I don't know if they're called candy pythons. I think they're more like grass snakes, really, in proper size. You're going to be real about it. Sort of thing, you know. Oh, um, sugary grass snake. Sugary grass snake. Slivering down your throat nesting in your stomach and then just being digested in your uh, in your belly acids <laughs> simple as that almighty Fucking hell. i should get into marketing i should get into marketing oh. see this is why commode's got so not many more listeners do you know what i mean just never distracted whatsoever he's just a man on the ball Fucking hell! So you went down the uh, sh- you went down the co- Coca-Cola bottle route as well. Coca-Cola bottle, UFOs, superb. Snakes. Are they the sort of the the ones that make you go? Yeah, a bit too sad. Like but yeah. you know, sort of exploding your tongue and a lot of white mice and tubes of fudge. Big mm, of fudge. I like not fudge. a massive. Uh, oh, I'm not a massive fudge fan. Giant Brazil nuts like those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, clown those. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and um, chocolate raisins. Okay, if I have a chocolate raisin, I need to know there's a chocolate nut at the same time. Oh right, I don't know if I. Well, the Brazil nut covered the nut element, and then um, the raisins were pretty much on the money. I'm trying to think <laughs> what else there was. Oh, bonbons, they're really nice. Cost me an arm and a leg. Yeah. How much did this cost? Because it's... Um, this cost me on. just over £10. That would have been pound fifty back in the 80s. Oh, 100%, 100%. I, I didn't eat all of them. I've now uh, put them in the glove compartment of my car, so I won't snack on them in the flat. And I'll have the rest of them uh, the next day. Not next day, 
the next cinema visit because ten pounds is a lot of you know moolah. Moolah. Yeah, I don't know. I said that wrong. That's just moolah. Moolah. Quite right. Would you eat the sweets the next day? Because that would make me feel. That would make me hate myself. That's why they're in the car. They're not in the. Um, what about when you're driving though? Uh, yeah, it's all about the mind, isn't it? I don't really eat in the car type of thing. Okay. If I was wandering around the flat, I'd definitely be grazing off UFOs. Goes without saying. It doesn't. Right. So, the holdovers. Tell us all about Alexander Payne. When you said that name, I went, oh, and then I thought, who is he? Why did I? Absolutely. So, um, Alexander Payne, big American auteur, started his big first big film was Election. Really worth checking out. It was the first uh, big Reese Witherspoon's performance and with Matthew Broderick. It's set in a high school, and it's about a um, who's going to be elected to be the president of the high school. And uh, Tracy Flick, played by Reese Witherspoon, is like this um, Hillary Clinton, ultra-motivated uh, young teenager who just is almost like Tom Cruise on acid. You know, she wants to get to the top. And Matthew Broderick doesn't like her ways and tries to stop her getting there. He's a teacher. And they're actually going to do a sequel to that. That's going to be Alex, Alexander Payne's next uh, film. And I read the novel for that. Um, and uh, it's very, very good. I was really impressed. Then he did about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson. Once again, really good. So they're very much 70s-esque people dramas grounded in right reality. Right up your strasser. Great stuff. Right. When Alexander Payne's on the money, he's basically your American Mike Lee. You know, he's very, very good. And also he did Sideways, Audrey Amarchi, um, about the... Descendants, DDD people. Descendants with George Clooney. So, I haven't seen any of these films, Oh, oh man, you'd really... Election's yeah. one of my favourites. Right. Election's one of my all-time favourites. It's up there with Rushmore. I love Election. Honestly, oh. Sideways is with Nell and I. No, shit, he did that. I've never seen Sideways. Honestly, honestly, Ed, you need to watch Sideways. You'd really, really? you'd really like Sideways. It's definitely with Nell and I-esque. Massively. Right. Nebraska, you would love. Oh, he did that? Yes, when he, they go on the road trip with the dad. A lot of them are road trip focused. Gives them a natural narrative. He's had some absolute hit bangers, isn't he? The last one he did, though, he tried to be more experimental. He's Mr. Oscar. You know, he's constantly nominated. And he was given a bit too much rope to hang himself. And he made Downsize Me with Matt Damon. Oh, he did that? A science fiction film. That which was great for 45 minutes. Oh, did you see that? Downsize. I got bored and turned yeah, off. Yeah, I did. I saw it in the cinema. It was good at the I beginning. loved the first bit. And yeah, then I did. I'd... Yeah, I did. And then I just completely, um, well, it just becomes confusing. It becomes less a story and more a social commentary, doesn't it, at the end? He's incredibly good. And um, I'll give a recommendation for him later, actually, when we do recommendations. In a short film that I'll mention that's really, really good. And um, Holdovers is his most recent film. And um, stars Paul Giamatti as the, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his surname correctly, uh, basically it's set in the 1970s and it's in a, a boarding school, the rich, and it's during Christmas and everyone goes off for Christmas, um, but one boy is left behind. 
Uh, originally, it's him and a few other boys, but it turns out just to be this one boy's left behind. And one of the teachers has to stay to look after him. And Paul Giamatti's character hardly leaves campus anyway. He's a real curmudgeon. And, you know, he's, he's never impressed by the students. Um, a bit of a drinker in the evenings. Sees himself as a... Well, basically, who's the film critic character that we've, we've produced and created through this? Charkins. He is Charkins. 100% Charkins, 255.5. And um, he has to look after this, this young kid in this empty boarding school. And there, there's a third person with them who's the um, the chef, basically. Um, a uh, sort of quite large, overweight, African-American um, sort of middle-aged woman. And she's getting over the death of her son, uh, who was killed in Vietnam who basically went to the boarding school as well because she worked there and she got him in. But um, unlike the other kids, because he didn't have money behind him, um, he had to go to war. He's recently died during his uh, tour of duty in Nam, so she's dealing with that. So one thing I'd say about Holdovers is amazingly good performances. Paul Giamatti is uh, incredible in that. You know, he really just is the role. He's totally immersed within it. It's like one thing a lot of people said about Bradley Cooper's um, performance is Bernard Lee, is it Lenstein? Can't remember, oh gee, Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein, was that you felt as though he was doing a performance. You know, it was a very good performance, but it was someone doing it. With Paul Giamatti, it's a case of, um, you know, he really is the role. Now, the other thing is the young kid in it with him, he's 15 or 16, I can't remember the name of the actor, sorry, I need to look at that. Um, they literally found him. Dominic Cesar. Thank you for that, David. That's very helpful. Thank you for that. Uh, he, um, they found him from no man's land. He did not have an agent. He has no acting re at rehearsal. I'm sure he did rehearsals. No acting um, uh, education experience, experience at yeah. all. They just found him at a local high school. And he's doing toe-to-toe -to -toe stuff with Paul Giamatti, and he's totally surviving. But there's a one-shot in a, um, a one, as they call it, where there's no editing, it's a whole sequence done in one take in a, um, uh, where'd you buy alcohol from? An off-license. And um, he's meeting him halfway. It's clearly this has been intricately blocked, the scene. It's very dramatically high with moments of tension and laughter. And this kid is just pulling it off alongside this Oscar winner, or at least Oscar nominee. And, um, yeah, it's, it's quite incredible. So, well, can, I, can I butt in there and say, hey, no, not at all. Let's, let's, this is a little moment where we have a little listen to a clip from the holdovers. I can tell by your faces that many of you are shocked at the outcome. I, on the other hand, am not because I have had the misfortune of teaching you this semester. And even with my ocular limitations, I witness firsthand your glazed, uncomprehending expressions. Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. No, it's... Uh, I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. I'm supposed to go to Cornell. Unlikely. Lovely. What I'd say is, though, you can tell that Downsize Me was not a big success. There was a black mark next to Alexander Payne's name in the sense that at times, this film feels less like a film. Alexander Payne's films feel, were more like European cinema of an American twist. 
This feels at times, not always, but at times it does a tightrope between feeling like a movie that is fulfilling comfortable, cosy tropes and a film that's got a dark, more jagged, kind of um, darker look at human sensibilities. Do you know what I mean? They are, they've all got their dark background, you know, that those mightly dark moments. What are you saying there, there, David? Because he, because the, previous film didn't do so well that he's playing it safe yes, in this film. I would Understood. Definitely, definitely argue that. Or perhaps, in old rage, he's become less cynical. But it definitely fulfills cliché tropes. So, for instance, there's a scene... This is a good example of how it balances itself out. There is a moment where they all, all three of them go to a Christmas party, and you cut between all three of them, and they've all, they're all having slight romantic moments... And it's like, this This feels like it's a bit paint by numbers. But then again, those romantic moments don't really go as planned for all of them. So it's still got that pain, dark edginess to it. But it's within a kind of movie, cliched format, which you didn't usually get in his previous films. And it kind of rolls along in a very comfortable um, manner. And everything's very much tied up to a certain degree at the end. I mean, sideways, it's you're very much left hanging. Do you know what I mean? It's um, so, and also election, the nastiness of that. There's no uh, burying the hatch at the end of election. Everyone. What? What? Uh, why do? Why did you focus on the the romantic uh, moments there? Why was that a problem for you? Because it felt as though um, his films usually reflect more the um, the chaos of reality that um you don't you know you don't have three people go to a party in reality and three of them all have a, a um a close brush with a potential romantic situation you didn't believe it you didn't believe it didn't believe it but then again the outcomes of those three synergized romantic moments happening in different parts of a of a building um two of them were quite real the outcomes of it were quite real i'll tell you one bit there is times where it feels a bit more like a sitcom than reality where um the teacher's actually chasing the young kid around the uh, the halls of the actual high school not high school boarding school and he's like laughing as he's being chased and i thought oh, this might as well be like a netflix sitcom do not get me wrong the holdovers i would say um if that came out in 2023 and i'd seen a whole raft of films that would have been definitely in my top three or whatever. I did. It had a lot, a lot of merit. Did Ryan like it? Um, I don't think he was bald over. He said, oh, that was interesting. Oh, I bet that, I bet that knocked you. Did that knock you? Um, no, because after he said, I'm feeling fractious this evening. Simple as that. He's an open book. He's an open book. That's fair enough. I said, "What? Any reason why you're feeling fractious? None. Nothing to do with the sugary grass snakes. No, that have been. Uh, I've been zipping up my um, throat like a like a giant candy Hoover. Well, he's only human. Absolutely, he's only human. It was a Thursday up. night. He had stuff going on. Absolutely, Thursday night does colour things a bit. Definitely. Yeah, I wonder if he watched it last night. Whether he would have gone. Ooh. Yes, possibility. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in the chat, and if you want to play at home when you're when you're uh, when you're listening, this is this is a moment where we guess 
Uh, how many choc ices out of five David is going to give? The was it the holdovers? Absolutely, yeah, holdovers. I mean, I would say here that that was a very positive review. I think. I think, I, um, I think you I'm and a... your um, lady friend definitely need to um, what? watch some. Know me, my yeah. wife. Well, let's keep things hidden behind the the, um, the showbiz red velvet uh, muppet curtains, if you like, sort of thing. Um, it's a case of. Um, Definitely watch Alexander Payne films. I think you'd really, really enjoy them, particularly sideways. And also Nebraska. Have you seen Nebraska? I watched, again, I watched the first 20 minutes. Don't, don't, I, oh, maybe I don't I'm, know what's oh. wrong with me. No, no, I would I would love it. I, I don't know. I, I just don't watch it. I've watched a movie for donkeys again. The thing is, the entertainment landscape has totally changed. It's all YouTube quick fixes, which I am a, a victim of. The good thing about the cinema is I have to watch it from beginning to end. I think it's something to do with having young children. Right. I'm absolutely shattered, sat on the sofa. So, so we, so we talk about. Should we watch something? Oh no, I just want too much of a commitment. Yeah, and then if, and then I thought, then well, if we went to the cinema and had a little date night, I'd fall asleep in the cinema. Oh my gosh! What do you do in the evenings then? Do you watch a bit of a TV show or just kiss loads and oh. just kissing all the time? I mean, that's better than cinema, I've heard. People have told me. People have told me that's better than a trilogy. That's better than June, a snog. No, it just... No, it's no, it's not snog. Just sort of gentle kisses on her on lips and... Yeah, just do that loads. Just keep doing it type of thing. Like a like a, like a duck eating bread off a kind of like pecking. No, no, no. Not like that, no. Quite sensual. No, yeah, it's quite sensual. It's quite nice to look yeah, at. With a bit of music in the background, a bit of jazz, slow jazz. No, nothing. Nothing at all, just silence. Not even the radiator on. It's the sound of our... Uh... Right. Right. So, let's, so everyone's, everyone's had a guess. Everyone's had a guess. No one's really gone for what I've gone for. So this this is interesting. Okay, David. The Holdovers. Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. How many chocolates out of five are you going to give it? I'd say 4.5. Oh, there we go. He's on the money. Is that a gas bill you've got there? You've got an envelope that needs to be opened. Goodness me. I got it. He's on the money. There you go. He's done it. High fives through the Zoom screen. Yeah, I'm really pleased with that. I had a look. Mike Rolls said 4.5. A lot of people went 4, 3.5. Jumpman Jones said 4.5. So did Peter R.M. Has anyone but seen I'm really it pleased the, with that in the Patreon? Uh, has anyone seen it? It'd be interesting to hear what other people think. Yeah, if, if anyone's seen it, I'd love to hear what other people's reactions were to it. Definitely, who are like Alexander Payne fans. You also did a good film called Citizen Ruth, which starred um, who's the female uh, actress in Jurassic Park? Laura Denny? No, it's not. Dern. Laura Dern. Sorry. Is it Laura Dern. How do I know more about? I don't watch bloody movies. I How know, do I know just, then? It's just dreadful, isn't it? It's just like it shows I've got some. I've got. I literally have a memory recall issue. They actually pointed it out when I was at school. It's terrible. John Bone saw it last night. David really enjoyed it. Anything you'd say you enjoyed about it, John Bone? Give us a bit more of an insight. You have. Yeah, open up a bit more, John Bone, please. What did you enjoy? I watched it last Sunday. Daniel Clark, brilliant film. I agree with everything David just said. 
wonderful stuff. That's how you can start political parties, communities, you know, when everyone agrees with everything. That's why communism oh. didn't work. Peter RM, I've seen it twice and wow, I loved it so much. Just brilliant. This is, we never get this positivity on the pod. This is lovely. The other interesting thing about the film is that he's filmed exactly like a 1970s movie. Do you know, like Five Easy Pieces, the sort of Jack Nicholson vibe? So when the Fox um, Searchlight logo comes up, they've done it really, really retro. And every now and then the film stock has got like a kind of um, dogged feel to it. I didn't know if that felt like a gimmick, really. But the decor on the streets of 1970s Boston is great. Looks like a Scorsese film. Not that it's in New York, but... Mick Walsh, uh, I think Mick's in Australia. Mick, uh, I've just got home from... I've just come home from a viewing. Loved it. A Giamatti masterclass. It is a Giamatti masterclass. You're completely right. 100%. I don't know if he'll win the Oscar annoyingly. I think that'll go to Cillian Murphy. But um, he's, he's bloody good at it. He's really, really good. He really is just uh, on the ball. You know, well, we've just... got a, we've got a bloody hit. I think I'm going to put a little hit sound in there. So the holdovers is a chucky hit, <laughs> right, David? Thank you so much for this week's movie of the week review. Week movie of the week. So, David, you got any movie news? Well, definitely it's the Oscars, isn't it? A big, big Oscar. Oh, is it? Oh. And um, uh, Oppenheimer has got. Um, let me have a look because I've got it all up here, so I, I don't get confused. Um, Oppenheimer has uh, thirteen nods and Poor Things with eleven uh, Oscar nominations. So Oppenheimer is seriously up in the fore- forefront. Of doing well there's been a few snubs though uh margot robbie did not get nominated for barbie or oh, i was on the plane with her i was like, i told you tonight did you meet did you actually see her? she was literally i was here she was there are you joking I didn't realize no you... jim came up to me and said that's margot robbie and i typical me i said who's margot robbie the thing is i i remember you saying she was on the plane but not that close to you i was here aisle she was there, just, and I didn't know who she was. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I mean, you 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 basically flew to LA with Margot Robbie there. But where were you on business? Were you in first class then? It's a business class, yeah. God, and um, what's it like in business class then? So we've gone off subject now. But that is um, that's quite amazing. Very isn't underwhelming. That? Very underwhelming. Did anyone want to pass and see what she was doing when she was... I'd like to just see Margot Mar- 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 Robbie sleeping. That'd be interesting, just to sit and watch. Why Why is that? Why is it such a big thing, this Margot? Is she, like, a huge yeah, star she's, now? Uh, well, she's Barbie, number one, so she, she's yeah, massive. But, uh, I don't know what that means. Well, apparently she's um, worth, perhaps not Taylor Swift money, but an enormous amount, because Barbie was her brainchild. She actually went to Mattel and said, let's turn it into a um, film. Well, that's not true. Right. Mattel was, was shopping it around and she knew that. And then she got involved and she said, you know, I can do this. Give it to me. And right. um, so she produced Barbie and she got Greta Gerwig, the director involved. So she very much, you know, designed the package. So starring in it is just one aspect in amongst all of it. Um, so she's done very okay. Before that, it was a Wolf of Wall Street with Scorsese. 
And even before that, it was Bloody Neighbours. She's another one of these Guy Pierce. Really? Na- yeah, she was in Neighbours right at the beginning. See, I haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street. I haven't seen... Anyway, sorry. It must really annoy people when I say I haven't it's seen things. It's interesting that she needed Barbie. She did quite a few flops before that. She was in Babylon and something else. Oh, Amsterdam. She's in a lot of auto director, big, big flop. So she's now, you know, the queen of Hollywood. But um, she was... Right, this is why I don't know Margot Robbie. Barbie, no. Asteroid City, no. I haven't seen them. Babylon, no. Amsterdam, I haven't seen. Suicide Squad, I haven't seen. Peter Rabbit 2, haven't seen. Birds of Prey, I haven't seen. Dollface, I haven't seen. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, turned it off after 25 minutes. Dreamland, I haven't seen. Mary Queen of Scots. That's why I don't know her. You turn off Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 20 minutes, type of thing. Yeah, about half an hour. Gosh, that's a... Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think it's the best Tarantino film, but um, the leads are very charismatic, and just seeing Hollywood in the 70s, I thought, was quite interesting. You are right, I think it was too long, and and when they give them the final cut, these directors, they're kind of... They've given too much rope to hang themselves, ultimately, aren't they? I always think it's my fault. Anyway, sorry, David. Oscars, moving you, sorry. Yeah, so a few people have been snubbed. Margot Robbie has been somewhat snubbed, you know, um, because Ryan Gosling was nominated as Ken, and people think, and Ryan Gosling said, there is no Ken without Barbie, so why hasn't she been nominated? Um, And also, um, the other shock is DiCaprio. He was not, um, De Niro and Scorsese have been nominated, but not DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon. And uh, do you reckon that really hurts the old ego? I think it does, but a lot of people have made a very interesting observation that DiCaprio could now be entering into the second phase of what Tom Hanks experienced after Apollo 13, Philadelphia, um, whereby he was constantly nominated for Oscars all the time or winning them, and he becomes such a um part of the fixture you know part of the furniture yeah, taken for granted and uh, yeah he is taken for granted and people are saying um after that hanks started focusing let tom hanks quite right uh, started focusing less on these big leading man roles and was a bit bit more experimental with the type of roles he's going to do next and they're wondering if dicaprio is going to do a gear change after this because it is very much a bit of a snub from the oscars you know just like well You've done this enough, really, now. Do you know what I mean? You need to sort of rethink yourself. But his next film is um, Paul Thomas Anderson's next big movie. But um, definitely after... Well, for instance, they said, like, um, Captain Phillips, it was so obvious Tom Hanks should be nominated for that. It was just like, well, another year with Tom Hanks nominated, what's the point? They are just taken for granted. That's exactly it. Yeah. And then they die and everyone goes, no, I like them. Absolutely, just like Jimmy Stewart, basically. Oh, there was a shock that Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Barbie's Best Director. But you could argue it's a franchise movie, ultimately, and she will be involved in um, the Best Film nomination that Barbie did get. So, I mean, there's David, a there. you know how you say, uh, basically, Danscape says here in the chat, Mark Commode would never admit to, I'd just like to see Margot Robbie sleeping. I know, it, it's... Um, it's a terrible thing to say. I, I mean it purely from an Andy Warhol tape element, tape modern element. Oh, I didn't think it was anything other than, I didn't think it was creepy. I think, perverse, I think she's just sleep very gently like a, you know, like a real life Disney princess. Simple as that. Yeah, you just want to see like an extraordinary successful woman sleep. Yeah, to... take some time out. Chill out. Energize. Well, also, so you have got like, a connection with her. She's just human. We all sleep. Also, and there I'd she is. love to 
know what she ate and how she ate it, what she read and what she listened to. I just like to have a deep dive into all her hours spent on that plane. I know it's a, it's a terrible thing to announce. Um, I don't know. It's horrific. I'm a real celebrity slag. I just really like that whole kind of... I don't know why it is. I think it's... Um, Did you sing a punk song called I'm a Celebrity Slag? Oh, oh, I'm a celebrity slag. Yeah, you heard me right. I'm the slag who likes a celebrity. I'm the celebrity slag. <laughs> it's me, that's... Uh, how do I do that voice? Simple as... I'm a semi-slag, give me what I want. I want to see them coming out of the shower. Half cut. Whoa, 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 so, whoa, whoa. Uh, whoa, whoa. It's go too far, mate. If you're not woke, you're broke. No, I'm Stop shattered. Stop saying woke. I'm shattered. You've got to be woke. You've got to remind yourself. Stop saying it. I look in the mirror. I actually write it in the condensation of the mirror in, in my toilet when I get out of the shower. Be woke, Edwards. Wake up to the woke. Really, if not, mate, you're going to be sidelined. You're going to be pushed aside. You know, they won't let you into the metaverse. They won't let you into virtual reality. I don't know where I'm going with that either. I'm very lost. Here we go. Let's go for it. Let's get back on. Okay, now. What did they say about um, uh, Margot Robbie? Did they give you any insight in... Um, was she wearing like a tracksuit? I can imagine her wearing an Adidas tracksuit whilst... On I don't know. She take her shoes off. <laughs> blow up like that villain at the end of Live and Let Die when they put like an air capture in his mouth right so so thank you very much for this week it really has gone that (laughs) surreal that we've just gone into sorry my teeth went all sticky thank you very much for this week's movie news not a problem. Oh, one last little bit of movie news. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten the title of the film, which isn't helpful. Um, what's the name of Patrick Swayze, um, the Patrick Swayze film? Roadblock. Road. When he's a bouncer, very big in the 80s. And he's a bouncer that goes into a local town to sort out the gangs. Uh, and what's it called? Road something. Couldn't Google it, could you? I know I asked you to do this. Um, or someone in the Patreons, mate. Oh, no. we're moving on. Oh, sorry, David. I'll be really quick. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, joking. What's it called? Road. Uh, House. Roadhouse. Right, okay. There you go. Roadhouse. Basically, that's being remade. be very quick. By um, Doug Lyman, uh, the director of Born Identity and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's being remade and it's done. Jake Gyllenhaal has taken the world of Patrick Swayze. That's Patrick Swayze. And... Um, Basically, Patrick Scorsese. Scorsese. Patrick Scorsese. Had a child yeah. in, a, in a test yeah. tube. And basically, yeah. um, Amazon aren't going to give it the theatrical release they promised. And now Doug Lyman has completely and utterly um, removed himself from the film. He won't be there for the premiere at North East, North South, the festival. And uh, Is it North East, North no, South? No, it's completely opposite part of the compass. But meet me halfway because I'm, I'm <laughs> wasting time on this now. Southeast, southwest. Southeast, southwest. That's it. So thank God I didn't have a map because I would not have up that. What's going on this morning? They did a massive article in Deadline about how it's it's a continuation of like streamers just upsetting directors who want their films in cinemas and at the last minute saying no, this is just going to be put straight on the streamer service. March twenty first. We'll move on from that. I just thought that was interesting. 
David, thank you so much for this week's movie news. Thank you, David Edwards, random movie review. <laughs> so, it's bloody hell, I feel like I've done a month on this app. So, it's this week's random movie review and what was it now finley picked this for you and you and finley seem to be getting on very nicely indeed and this what did he pick this is the proof of the finley pudding um in the sense that he picked me you only live twice a classic bond adventure oh directed by lewis gilbert interestingly the same chap who directed educating rita also cut his teeth on the bond films before that uh, the fifth installment of the James Bond film series, um, uh, with its kind of uh, Asian uh, Japanese setting at the end of the movie. Um, and um, where do I begin? So I, so I slip straight. Um, what, what, what year was this made? Sixty-seven. David? I'm not sure I've seen this. You no, know, I read a fascinating book. Um, well, if you haven't seen, it, I should. When you have a conversation with someone, you need to really listen to what they say instead of just going off into your own train of thought. So you, you haven't seen it. You should. Well, I don't. It's a case of. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of merit to it. I mean, one of the interesting book I read recently was um, the book where they compared the Beatles to James Bond. James Bond, the Beatles is two of the biggest British exports. Interestingly, the the first James Bond film and the first ever Beatles single came out on the same weekend. Uh, mm. Doctor No and whatever the first Beatles uh, single was. And um, the argument is they're the two biggest exports and the Beatles represents uh, a more open-minded uh, left-wing sense of love. And James Bond is more nihilistic, dark and right-wing. And um, What do you prefer? You know what? Growing up, I was Bond all the way. But reading the actual book, I became a lot more fascinated by the Beatles and felt as though I'd lost, you know, I just wasn't, um, I just wasn't developed enough as a teenager to enjoy the Beatles. I mean, I look at David Bowie now and I think you should have got a lot more into some of these kind of music icons when they were around. But my, I was very limited with what I was interested in. I just seem to have a fascination with Indiana Jones, James Bond, and the Ewoks. I think my parents thought I had learning needs at one point. Can I jump in here? They said to me, don't worry if you can't go to university. Sorry, carry on, sorry. Right. Uh, Well, we could stop there and, like... um, Why why did they think that? Because you were so obsessed with... I think my interest range was just so basic. Do you know what I mean? It was just, like, so... um, you know, there was just no, I hadn't made that move to uh, things that a 12 or 13 year old perhaps um, be interested in. I was in 16, 17. I definitely hit a kind of a ceiling at one point, And then I kind of, um, I wouldn't say slivered out of it, but I sort of put my head through the air duct. I wouldn't say blossom massively, but, you know, kind of thing. But um, grew a bit more sort of thing and sort of appreciated other things outside of. Um, furry bears with spears. David, DDDPPP says, didn't Roald Dahl write this Bond film? He did write this Bond film, you're quite right, which is the which is the Ian Fleming connection, because I never realised that... Um, where is that Ian Fleming connection then? So it's a case of... Roald Dahl did write this Bond film, you are completely right. 
And then, um, and also Ian Fleming wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I didn't realise that. It's quite bizarre. So they have both nipped into each other's sort of childlike and spy genres. But yes, um, Roald Dahl definitely did write. He had helped adapt the script for You Only Live Twice. Absolutely, 100%. Okay. So, it's a classic Bond movie. We don't really need to know what happens. Or do we? Well, I think one element that I felt um, slightly off-putting was the opening mission. You don't get an opening mission with Only Live Twice. They... Clearly, Covey Broccoli tried to do a kind of reverse twist. And uh, you see Sean Connery um, very much um, seducing a Japanese lady. And uh, he makes a very good... Right up your side. Absolutely. 100% with my options. How did he seduce her? Um, He says to him... She says to her, he likes lots of different ladies. He likes Russian caviar, but also Japanese sushi. And uh, different tastes for different days, different ladies for different days. And um, then they uh, start making out. She gets out of the bed. But it's one of those kind of uh, beds that come out of the um, the wall. A bit like um, Kermit and uh, uh, the bear in the Muppets shed in the Muppets movie. You know, one of those. And one of the, the tragedies of those is if you hit a button, it goes back into the wall. This, is that what happens to her? Uh, that's what happens to him. Oh. And then a, 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 a group of Japanese gangsters come in and then fill the wall with uh, lead. And uh, you've got a, then the, the, the bed opens up again. Imagine me pitching this in a meeting. I'd be like, no, this is the most uninteresting scene ever. And then you've got a dead Sean Connery. And then the police turn up and they, they check his pulse and he's dead. And then it hits the credits. And it's just like, well, I don't want that. I want him wandering around like the milk tray man, kung fuing Russians and eating caviar. Um, and then you see his burial, but it turns out he's not dead, obviously, because you wouldn't have the rest of the film. You'd just be spending it with Miss Moneypenny and Marks and Spencer's doing her shopping, which would be interesting. It's suddenly going to a Mike Lee film. But ultimately, um, <laughs> that's what you imagine their lives being when Sean's not around. Yeah. Just, you know, um, yeah. well, you, eating biscuits and talking. Oh, the lady's got to eat. Um, and it's a very much... But it turns out he's not dead, and they do like a clever switcheroo, and um, he comes out of his coffin and uh, dusts off his, uh, his captain's suit. Um, so the opens- When you sit down to watch this movie, are you going, ooh, I've been transported back into the 60s, or does it feel pretty modern? Does it tickle your... No, I think um, there are elements that feel dated slightly. I mean, first of all, when they dress him up as a Japanese man, you know, he literally is, he pretends to be Japanese, and that's, you know, incredibly politically incorrect. Yes, Bond has, like, kind of a makeup on, so he has, like, a Japanese-esque look, so he can, like, um, become part of the Japanese, um, I don't know, tapestry of the society around him. And, um, yeah, there's no way you could do that now, type of thing. Um, and he looks more like Spock. However much you push Japanese for person. Oh, Absolutely. The gadgets are absolutely amazing. You've got little Nelly, which is the little kind of helicopter. Hugh is very sprightly and young. Um, but you def- And also, yeah. Just- uh-huh. What's his car like? Um, so I'm trying to think. I don't 
There must be a car at some point, but that's completely left me. I think maybe Little Nelly. If anyone on the Patreon can remember that, but I think Little Nelly is instead of a car. I don't remember, because there's a dogfight in the Little Nelly, um, the battle scene, but I don't remember. If there is a car, it comes in and out very, very quickly. You get the big volcano at the end. So the big 007 stage is used at Pinewood. And, you know, you can see that all of the Austin Powers kind of parodies come from that. And that was like one of the first times you had this big kind of villain's lair type of thing. And the art- Are you enjoying this as this film moves along? You yes, actually I am. Enjoying- yes, I am. You are? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because there's, are there's you? A, uh, the, the beginning mission I was slightly kind of disappointed with. But um, than that, I would certainly say um, it's interesting because you have that added layer of you know, him kind of um, uh, dressed up as a Japanese man, thinking, dear God, this is ridiculous. You have the other element whereby, you know, the gadget, or maybe it's the car instead of a, a car this time, of little Nelly, like a little plane, which back in the 60s, they think was amazing. So you're looking at it with a historic eye from past into the present. But at the same time, Sean Connery is a very watchable. Do you know what I mean? He's a very charismatic lead that you can be... Um, taken down the music's fantastic with john barry and um the uh and also you know it takes itself seriously and it does move well as a piece of you know action drama definitely well uh ladies and gentlemen that's you only live twice now it's our turn to guess how many chalk ices out of five david is gonna give it now he's obviously a bond fan but did he like this movie enough to give it a lot of chuck ices? So over to you to have your little guesses. So I'm go, go on. I was just going to say Donald Pleasant's good as Blofeld. Leave it there. Simple as that. There's some great gadgets in the form of cigarettes that shoot darts. They're just a little, you know, little appetizer. Okay, so everyone's um, having their little guesses. Some people agreeing with me, some not. Stan Dolphins in the chat. Amanda Burrows has had a little guess. Ravi, yeah, Ravioli Downpipe was that a guess? Ravioli Downpipe. Goodness, but what's that getting ravioli Be- stuck in your down in your pipe? That's what you say if you, you're choking. You go to the emergency room at two o'clock in the morning. Ravioli Downpipe. Someone give me the harmic manoeuvre. So, so David, you only live twice. Uh, the fourth bond, I think you said. How many chuck ices out of five are you going to give it? Three point five. Oh my god! Goodness me, that's on. I'm on fire this morning. It really is. For some reason, those unopened envelopes you're using are making me stressed. It's like that needs to be opened up. You need to pay that. Whatever that is. Can't be bothered. 3.5. Let's focus on the positives. That is, uh, you're on the money. We're telepathic. It's like Rain Man right now. We're in synergy. The third act of Rain Man. You know, we've come together. We're in the We're in matching tuxedos. So very quickly, David, why, why not a four? Why not a three? Because um, I wouldn't say it was the most uh, innovative of, of the Bonds type of thing. It hit all the kind of um, points. You could tell that it was the last one before Connery was going to um, 
Well, he, he was on Her Majesty's Secret Service after that, and then he came back for Diamonds Are Forever for a massive paycheck. But you could tell that the Conrad run, you know, it, it was beginning to become cliched. It's like from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, each of them were doing something a bit new, a, a bit different. I think Goldfinger was the first time they used a 007 stage where they used it for the bank. So they had like this big kind of um, sequence set piece. So you only live twice. It wasn't introducing anything that kind of um, brand new in that sense, type of thing. And I wouldn't say um, it was just beginning to become a fact, a simile, a photocopy of its previous self. David, thank you so much for this week's random movie review. And also the opening mission was a bit of a downer. But leave it there, absolutely. Thank you. I, I never know when to leave the party. Do I move on? David, you've got any movie tips this week? This is an interesting movie tip. Um, I think hopefully people will find this interesting. Whilst wandering down uh, rabbit holes via YouTube, I found a TV pilot that was never aired uh, called um, North Hollywood. And it was written and directed by Garapo, uh, who obviously went on to do 40-year-old Virgin, um, uh, funny people, you know, loads of stuff, and uh, knocked up and produced Anchorman. And it stars loads of actors that will go on to become very, very successful and big. So, um, uh, Jamie, it's all about how to work actors in Hollywood. It was a one-off comedy. It's quite legendary that the um, that Fox said no to actually commissioning it, and everyone in it was absolutely massive and turned out to be massive stars. So, uh, Jason Segel's in it. Jamie Fox is in it. January Jones from Mad Men is in it. Amy Poehler is in it. Um... Uh, it escapes me the other woman was in it she was the um, writer of Mean Girls and the writer of uh, Tracy uh, oh, so terrible with names she, no it's not Tracy Beaker the orphan she never left Britain she wasn't allowed um, it was um, who's the creator of uh, 30 Rock some of the Patreon will know Tina Fey has a very short part in it so it's filled back to back with stars. There's no way you can make this now. You would better come up with a check for it. You know what I mean? David, um, just Amanda Burroughs says in the chat, please, please, celebrity slag reprise. Pretty please. Uh, when you it's celebrity slag reprise, what does that mean? Kind of um, Sing it again. Oh, celebrity slag, celebrity slag. That's what I am, a celebrity slag. I look in the mirror and what do I see? A slag who likes a celebrity. Is that what you wanted, Amanda? Is that what you're after? That tick your box. <laughs> happens. David, thank you so much for this week's movie tips. So. Amanda's over the moon. Oh, over that. the moon, like like E.T. and Elliot. Over the moon, like yeah. the Ambling Entertainment logo. David Edwards. Random Movie Generator
Okay, David, so now it's time for the random movie generator. Finley's here. All right, Finley. <laughs> I'm in it, guys. Oh, I love that young energy. Goodness me, he's in, he's in it. Yeah. That's oil, it's not saliva. Then again, it's better. You can't catch a cold with oil. Yeah. Okay. Here we go, David. Let's check. Let's check. Let's pick the genre of the first movie oh, that you might be reviewing next week. Here we go. Good luck. Good and luck. Good, I wonder if you and Finley are going to connect again as you have done the last couple of weeks. Here we go. So. Don't let me down. Here we go. Take your time. Don't let me down. Stop. Horror. Wowzers. Okay. Not my usual. Uh... No, you haven't had many horrors, no, have you? I haven't. And now the decade of the horror movie. Stop. 1980s. Ooh. Finley, please generate. God, he's bloody good, Finley, isn't he? Finley, please generate four horror movies from the 1980s. He has done. He's spinning them around in his ass. And now it's time to you to tell Finley when to stop spinning. The fly. Oh, I'd be interested fly. in that. I've never seen that. David Cronenberg. Not seen it. No. Oh, I loved it. Why have I seen that? And you haven't. You know what? I think I've seen the original, but I've never seen the actual David Cronenberg. Is it the re of course it's the eighties, isn't it? So it's Jeff Gold um Goldstein. Oh my god. Uh Goldblum. Goldblum. There you go. Um yes. I've seen Sleep that. About Gina Davis. Yeah. Oh, it's good. But anyway. Anyway, nothing to do with me. Okay, let's uh, let us pick the genre. By, bear with me, the genre of the second movie that you might be reviewing next week. Well, action! Oh. What is it with Finley and anyway, you? you? You're uh, you, you're buttering me up. You've got a big knife and I'm the waffle. You're putting butter on me. It's sizzling. Let's eat together. Now pick the decade. Oh. 1920s. That's no, sorry. It's oh my God. <laughs> What's that? Mickey in the steamboat. Mickey wrestling with his steamboat when it comes to a waterfall. Sorry. We generate four action movies from the 2020s. Okay, here we go. And Finley is spinning them around in his bottom. And now it's time for you to tell Finley when to stop spinning. Blood and Gold. Never heard of that one in my life. That's Blood and Gold. Robert Masser, Jordi Stribel, Marie Hacker, and Alexander Shear. What were the other ones? Blood. And gold. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sort of action. I saw that on my nephew. Batman the Long Halloween. That's an animated one, isn't it? Yeah. And The Last Man Down. Is that? Fucking hell. Who's The Last Man Down? Who's in? Daniel Steeson, Olga Kent, Daniel Nimmer. What films, considering it's the action genre, 2020? Well, you might like it. Who knows? Who knows? Blood and Gold. Blood and Gold. Let's go there. Okay, let us find the genre of the third movie that you might be reviewing 
next week. Family. Love it. Absolutely. The, uh, the domestic unit is the family. Do you love it? I can go with family. I can go with family. Yeah, okay. Okay, let's find the decade of this family is it, movie. Is it, for, is it about family or is it for the family? Family movies. Oh. 1950s. Doesn't sound good to me. Family movies in the 1950s. That's just juicy bang bang, that is. Binley, please generate four family movies from the 1950s. He has done. And it's over to you. Tell Finley when to stop spinning. Cinderella. Well, the Disney film. Yes, so. Yeah. Look, that's going to be hard. 1950. 1950. That is going to be hard. Oh, that's going to be... A this is a Russian roulette this moment, is a, isn't there's it? There's a bullet, there's in, a the bullet in the chamber. This is Deer Hunter. <laughs> this really is. There is a bullet in the chamber. Okay. So, our three movies, David, that you have to pick blindfoldedly are The Fly, Blood and Gold, and Cinderella. I've given each movie an A, a B, and a C jumbled them up or have I yes I have this week or have I it's over now it's over to you David to choose which movie you'll be reviewing on the next episode will it be A B or C Blood and gold. Oh my goodness! I mean, you don't know. You don't know. It could be good. It could be good. Let's see what one tomato, you know, saying. But um, never heard of it in my life. Blood and gold. Blood and gold review in the Guardian. Oh yes. Okay. Oh okay. Okay. Does it get? Okay. I don't want to tell you. Oh, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Okay, well, I'll certainly give it a look. It's been reviewed in The Guardian. It shows it got a decent release. Do you want me to give you any any clue? Hey, give me a clue. What did The Guardian give it? I don't want to get... Hmm. Rotten Tomatoes? Does that help? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Please, 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 please. I don't want to give you anything. Go into it. Go into it blind. I'll go into blind, into my Netflix streamer site and see what happens. Yeah. Blood and gold. I wonder if anyone's seen it in the in the chat. Never heard of it. Well, everybody, uh, are you ready to pop into Patreon? Let's pop in. Let's go to the Patreon shed to have some uh, chitter-chatter, pitter-patter. Well, and everyone else, thank you so much for listening this week. Oh, thank um, you, thank you very much. Massively appreciate it. Thank you for uh, leave. Please leave nice comments on the because it helps get this podcast into the eyes of uh, uh, other. Uh, other uh, be lovely if you could uh, 
uh, rate and review the podcast if you like please, it. Please, please rate it. I mean, it really is. I'm on it both helps. knees. It helps. Like a, like a praying monk, just asking you and saluting and just, you know, takes one click, just one move of the old finger muscle. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much, everybody. And we'll see you next week. But for now, David, let us get inside that patron shed. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care.